I was going to tell you this morning, or I am going to tell you this morning, that what I'm going to share with you, some of you are going to say, well, what's the big deal? Well, it was a big deal for me and for my wife growing up. And I'm going to say some things in the next two Sundays that I teach on grace that you might find upsetting. And uh, afterwards you will say to me, but pastor, what if, or pastor, uh, do you know, or something like that. Um, because I, and I shared with some of you before, is that uh, I grew up, and I also grew up in a very, very strict church. Um, I need to tell you, and please bear with me, because if I, for myself, gained a great deal, a great ton of help just preparing for the next Sundays on this whole topic of grace. We grew up in very strict churches. I was not allowed to dance. I was not allowed to go to movies. I was not allowed to play pool. I was not allowed to bowl. We were not allowed to go to the roller rink. We were not allowed to uh, uh, smoke or drink, of course, the standard ones. Uh, there were just a lot of things. As a matter of fact, when I was in the ninth grade and junior high school, I had to get a, a note from my pastor so I wouldn't have to take square dancing classes. And uh, that was the situation. And I shared with you before, I think, that we had a, a deacon in our church that I grew up in. It was a large church. Uh, we had a deacon in our church that sat outside the theaters in our hometown on Friday and Saturday nights. And he wrote down our names if he saw us coming out of the theater. And on Sunday morning, he would come and talk to me and to us about why we went to see a movie. I, I, you smile and you laugh and you say, that's ridiculous. Folks, it was ridiculous. But here was the problem. We were told what we could not do, but we were never told why. Never, nobody ever sat down and explained to us the rationale, whether it was biblical or cultural, the rationale of why we couldn't do those things. I remember sneaking off to see the Marilyn Monroe movie where her skirt blows up when she walks across that vent with a sum like it hot or cat on a hot tin roof. I don't remember what it was. I knew for sure that my folks didn't know that I went. I knew for sure that Jesus was going to come while I was sitting in there, and I was going to, I knew I was going to go to hell. And, uh, but I wanted to see the movie that bad. So, uh, that, that kind of, and, and I'm not going to repeat this in two weeks. So, you have the unfortunate privilege of knowing that that's kind of the basis of what I'm going to be talking about. And I'll have some, you know, some of those things were funny. Most of them were seriously ridiculous. In the church that I grew up in, it was Scandinavian, Robert. We had some Danes in the church, Robert, mostly Swedish, and a few Norwegians that we allowed to come. Uh, but uh, most of the Swedish. And back in the center, underneath the one of the balconies, was the Swedish Amen Corner. And that's where the hallelujahs and the amens came from, that Swedish part of the congregation. 
And uh, a funny story is told that one time a deacon got up and taught that Jesus never taught total abstinence. Jesus taught moderation. And one of the Swedish ladies in the back raised her hand and he said, uh, Alma, what is it? She said, that was one thing I didn't like about Jesus, uh, that he didn't teach total abstinence. But all kinds of stories that we, we grew up with. But we, we lived under a great deal of guilt. And you know the Pinocchio story, don't you? And what were the things that he did that were so terrible? Smoking cigars and playing pool. And those old stories tell you culturally what was going on at that time. My church, a large church, was near a street called 7th Street. 7th Street is where the Scandinavians, the Swedish people, hung out. The church that I attended, it was before my time, uh, all the services were in Swedish. Because that's the language we're going to speak in heaven, and you might as well learn it here, so you get a head start on everybody else who was there. I'm serious. I'm serious. But 7th Street was where all the Swedish drunks hung out. And we had a pool hall. And I remember in school, uh, the pastor's son at that time, Harold, uh, was, Harold Erickson became a couple years later, but Elmer Johnson was the pastor, and his son, Kurt Johnson, and I started to hang out together. And uh, we would skip the last hour of class, and we would walk down to 7th Street and go to the grand pool hall and play pool. Uh, I didn't smoke cigars back then, and uh, my, nail, my nose didn't get longer or anything like that. But that's the background, so we'll just set that aside. You know that, so you'll understand that in two weeks when I pick up and talk about it a little bit more. But uh, I'm talking about grace. Uh, and this is the definition I gave you, and I've been giving you, and will continue. Grace is the unmerited and unlimited blessings of God based on the totally adequate work of Christ. Now, people say, well, if you live under grace, does that mean you can do anything you want to do? No. Because under grace, there are commandments. There, you'll find them in the church age epistles uh, there are do's and there are don'ts. Uh, there are positive and negative ones. Um, a negative one in Colossians is do not lie to, one, to each other or one another. First Thessalonians are positive ones. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So there are more specific commands, of course. But people then came along and said, well, I can remember when Rook became popular. And our choir from our college, Christian college, which was a part of our denomination, when they traveled, there was a big discussion. Can we play Rook? Uh, is that card game allowed? Because I couldn't play any kind of cards because the king and the queen and the jack and the joker and all of those things had evil demonic symbolism to those cards. So you couldn't use any face cards. 
Well, I haven't played Rook for a long time, but I don't think there were any face cards. There were number cards, but not face cards. So what I'm saying is this, is that there are specific commands. And, uh, and people would say, well, what about this? Can we do this or can't we do that? I want to just sell one more, uh, share one more illustration, and then we're going to close. And then you will know in two weeks what the background is and why I get so excited and I will be pounding the pulpit and shouting a few times, is that uh, I candidated, or was going to candidate, at a church in um, Moline, Illinois. Um, and so I, uh, I, I met with their pulpit committee and read what they were requiring from their pastor. And they had that list that I just told you were in that job description. I was not allowed as their pastor to do any of those things. And I got upset with them. And I said to them, well, you've got the big ones named here, the obvious ones. I said, what about gossip? What about overeating? What about those sins? How come you don't have those here? They mumbled some kind of an excuse, but they didn't have those. My friends, those are the commands that we find in the church age epistles. Is you don't lie to each other and you help each other. And you don't gossip. All of those things you're not to do. Are they right or wrong? And the illustration I'm going to use, and I looked it up, there's no such thing as Swedish checkers. But I'll use that just as an illustration. We wanted to play Swedish checkers. Somebody said, well, can we do that? Will the church allow us to play? And the sad thing is this, folks, is that when somebody said to me, and this was on construction jobs, when somebody would say to me, um, why don't you stop at the bar and get a drink with us afterwards? This was a construction crew. And uh, at first, you know, I was very smart mouth in my response, and then I began to become more Christ-like. And I would say to them that, uh, you know, I prefer not to do that, but would you meet me tomorrow morning and I'll buy you breakfast? Uh, rather than going and hanging out with these guys that I was trying to be a witness to, and order a Coke. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be seen walking into a bar. And, uh, and I remember that one of the guys on the crew, we, were, we laid sewer pipe. His name was Tony. He was a great, great friend, an older man. And he and I built manholes. That's all we did for a period of time. And so Tony and I worked together. He was the bricklayer, and I was the laborer. And Tony and I, you know, they would tease me. Here comes Deacon Jerry or Deacon Haglin. You know, watch your language. Watch your stories. Here comes the deacon. And uh, I remember, and I knew Tony. We became very close friends. And I remember Tony was using Christ's name in vain. And I said to Tony, I said, Tony, I said, you're using somebody's name that I love very, very much. I said, Tony, I love you as a very special friend. Would you be willing to use another name besides that? Now, when I got to know him better, I said, would you be willing when you curse to use your wife's name uh, rather than the name of this person that I love very much? Well, I, you have to know somebody pretty well before you say that. 
and, and I knew Tony. So that's my background. So what grace teaches us, the unmerited, unlimited, and I talked about the fact is that you cannot, you cannot out grace. You cannot wear grace out. Grace is like eating a piece of chocolate cake, and when you look at it, it's back in the cake. The whole cake is still there. It just never, ever ends. So, folks, unmerited, you can't earn it, you'll never deserve it, and it's unlimited. It never, never ends. And all of it is based on the adequate work of Christ and what he has done. Well, I whet your appetite, I hope. I, I, I've got some exciting things I want to share with you. I'm done with those illustrations, and we're going to take a look at God's Word, and I'm going to teach, and we're going to learn together uh, what we in the church age know about grace. Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, I thank you that it's unmerited. I can't earn it. I'll never, ever deserve it, Father. And I thank you for your grace. Thank you that there's no limit to it. Father, there will never a time when you will say to me, Jerry, will you back off? We're going to run short on grace. That's never going to happen. And I thank you that I cannot out grace. And so, Father, with the stories that I've shared this morning, and, and, and I know for some it's just irrelevant, but for me it's very personal. And what I shared today, you know, Lord, Growing up, how I struggled with that, and I would have hard time sleeping nights because my spirit was sensitive, and I wanted so much as a young man to please you and then to live with the guilt because I had a bad thought, and I knew for sure, Lord, that you were very angry with me, and that I didn't understand then that grace is unlimited. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for what I've learned the last two weeks in preparing to teach your word. Thank you, thank you, Lord, and thank you for this morning, and thank you for what I'm going to continue to learn. Lord, I want to thank you, especially for Desert Gardens, because it's this church, Lord, this church, the last 10 years, where I truly, truly, not only have learned about grace, but I have experienced it, because this church is a gracious church. And I thank you for that, from the bottom of my heart, always, the best 10 years, Lord, in Christ's name, amen.